Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to The Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to The Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Megan. How are you? Well, I am great because I'm really excited about today's topic. We are sitting in our homes recording these episodes as we typically do. And we're going to be talking about our homes, um, specifically the layout, the design, sometimes the redesign or the renovation, like basically the way we live in these homes as influenced by the way they were created for us to live in. Literally designed and built. It makes such an impact on your daily life. It really does, Sarah. And, you know, you've lived in your house now long enough that you are thoroughly acquainted with every quirk in it, at least all the quirks that are quirks to you. And I think that's an important, um, that's an important designation. Like things that you find quirky may have seemed perfectly logical to somebody else. And I've just moved into a new house, uh, my new husband's house that I have actually spent a lot of time in as a guest over the past few years. But, you know, it's really different to live in a house and to try to bring your stuff into a house, especially a house that someone else has been living in for quite some time. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm experiencing this house, um, as a resident, as a co-owner of it, of like someone who's trying to settle into the space and things that really didn't matter to me at at all as a guest. Now I'm like, wait a second, why are we, why are we doing that this way? It's my eyes have been opened. Right. Yeah, I really like this topic, too, and I'm excited to share some of my house's quirks. Um, I think I'd like to define what what I mean when we talk about a house quirk. It's not something that you're going to it's not something that goes on a honeydew list to fix next weekend necessarily. So it's not like, um, oh, there's a picture that needs to be hung or a light bulb that needs yeah. to be changed. So it's not a big enough um, hassle that it's you're either going to do a major remodel to fix it. Like, let's say right. you didn't have enough bedrooms in your house. That's not really a quirk. That's more like, OK, this house isn't functional for our family. And like I said, it's also not like there's a light bulb out in the hallway that needs to be changed. This is a design feature that you encounter in your everyday life, probably because someone else designed the home and not you. And it's just something you learn to live with, but it is it somehow rubs up against your lifestyle in a way maybe that's not so good or maybe that's great, but it's quirky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that um, sometimes we can kind of become almost immune. It becomes like white noise and we don't really realize how quirky it is till like something happens that points it out to us. You know, we keep bumping our leg on the dishwasher while we're trying to reach a certain cabinet because it's too close or something that's actually happened to me multiple times. Um, and sometimes it's something where like, it's a little irritant or just a, why is it this way every single day? Like we can't get, we can't, we can't forget it. We can't unsee it. 
I would love to start by talking about some of the home quirks we've both experienced through the years and then how that actually might impact our expectations of our current home. Because I think that can be another thing too. If you're used to houses being a certain way and then suddenly you're in a different, like a a house from a different era or with a different design style or just with that was designed for a different kind of family, you might be like, oh, this is weird. Even if to somebody else, it's just normal. And sometimes I think that has to do with what you're used to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I can I can kind of start. I have not lived in as many houses as you have, but I just want to start with like a general observation that square footage means literally nothing when it comes to like how you live and use the space in your home. I think like a lot of like a lot of people, I have lived in single family homes ranging from I think 1,300 square feet on the smaller end to my current house, I believe is 33 or 3,400 square feet. I've never lived in a house bigger than this one. So, and then I've lived in a couple that were right in the middle there, 22, 2,400 square feet, something like that. Um, the enormous difference in the actual amount of space we had and how we used that space, you wouldn't even think these houses are from the same, they're not even from the same category. It's just so different. So that's a huge um, it's not a quirk. It's just a huge thing that influences how you use your, um, your home. And the quirk that came up for me as I was thinking about my last few houses was that the house we lived in, in Arizona, when my, when I had two little kids and then later added a third, um, it had enormous walk-in closets in Brian and my bedroom, two enormous walk-in closets. We did not need one, let alone two. And we actually ended put, ended up putting our third baby, creating like a micro mini nursery in a, in a walk-in closet in our bedroom because we didn't have an actual bedroom for that kid. That house also had a huge open upstairs loft that if I had had older kids would have been such a cool bonus room, TV room, playroom, but my kids were too tiny to be like super separated from me. Like they weren't going to be independently playing upstairs when I was downstairs. It also had a little office off the kitchen also would have been great for the stage of life I'm in right now was barely used at all. So, um, I didn't have a lot of space in that season of life in like the place I needed it. And yet the square footage on the house was like 2,200 square feet or something. It was like a perfectly fine size house. So that's just something that I think often quirks have to do with use of space. And later when we talk about our current houses, I'll share some things that the, the previous owners were going to be retired without kids. And this, what they were going to do with this big house is just so different than how I'm using it with my family. Okay. And then I was, I was looking back at my other houses. I have one more quirk that is so funny to me because it's so such an example of being stuck in the time that you're in and not being able to envision a future reality. So the house we lived in, in Orange County was built, I think in the early nineties, but then it got a remodel. I'm going to say in the aughts, maybe even 2010, we moved in in 2014 it had gotten a pretty recent facelift and I really loved the design choices they went with. So we, we were the beneficiaries of a relatively recent remodel, but their entertainment center had an exact sized hole for a flat screen TV. So it was post, like it was post era of flat screens, you know, and we had to find a TV that fit exactly in this hole. And then on either side of the space for the TV were these white cabinets. They were so nicely done and probably custom designed and you push them and then they popped open. Well, Megan, they were for DVDs. They were the <laughs> depth of basically a giant DVD collection. So they were only like six inches deep. They had adjustable shelves and they weren't for anything else. They were for right. this family's giant DVD collection. And then we moved in in 2014 in the time of streaming. We literally owned like four DVDs. They were like a magic school bus for the kids or something. And they all fit in a binder with pocket sleeves. So for the six years we lived in that house, I had to get so creative to use because I needed space. I needed space for art supplies. I needed space for coloring books. It was kind of in the main open concept area of our house. And I spent a lot of energy in the six years we lived there trying to do like little bins. Everything had to be so shallow (laughs) because it had been built for DVDs and then we were no longer in the era of DVDs. So I'm sure there's examples of older houses where things were built for very specific appliances and things that we just don't have anymore. I think that's so funny. Well, I mean, it just goes to show you that media is probably like the size of your today's media might not ever be a good thing to, to like yeah. 
build around unless you're prepared to rip it all out in five years when it's obsolete. Um, the house I just moved out of in the bedroom and the whole house has beautiful built-ins I'll talk about in a second. But in my bedroom, there was a, it was built in 1964. There was like a 1964 TV sized hole in that. Like any television today would be too big for. What do you mean hole? Like Like, how much of a hole? There's a whole wall that is made up of shelves and built-in cabinets and cupboards. And right in the middle is a square. That's like the size of what would have been a standard television in like the sixties and it's a square and it's a deep square. So no flat screens, right? Like it had to accommodate a large television. So I actually did have a little flat screen TV in there, but it didn't quite fit. And I had to kind of like angle it. And everything is so wide now. Nothing is square. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It just was, it just, I just used it for a lot of storage, honestly, because I couldn't figure out what else to do with it. Um, But I have, almost solely lived in older houses my entire life going back to when I was a little kid and older houses always have quirks because people lived really differently obviously throughout the years I want to say like almost every old house I've lived in has had like an extra room that nobody can quite figure out why it's there so like um there's a bedroom with an additional room kind of attached to it but it's not uh, yeah or like a room that's just there and you don't know why so I'm guessing these were old parlors or studies, old libraries, maybe a porch that got turned into like a sunroom or some kind of room in the house. And there's something really fun about those rooms. They feel like a little cheat or like a bonus, but then sometimes it's very confusing because you're like, well, what do I do with this? It doesn't function the way there's no purpose for this room. It's just this extra space. And so I want to say like every house (laughs) I've lived in until now has had some sort of room that just didn't really seem to fit any uh particular definition. I kind of love it. I feel a little jealous just because I've never lived in a house older than like 40 years old. So okay. I, it feels like a yeah, like a finding a secret passageway or something. I know it's not quite that romantic, no, it is, but and it does it, give cool. you yeah, it is cool. And it gives you like possibilities for doing fun things that you wouldn't do that wouldn't fit into like a standard, you know, yeah. three bedroom house with just your typical layout. Um, Older houses often also have weird little quirks. Like I've had several houses that had an exterior window that began then became like an interior feature after an addition. So there might just be like a window to nowhere, but there's like a windowsill or like a little nook or a cranny to put things in. Um, The windowsills are different in older houses. They're often a lot bigger and they're higher. So you can like put knickknacks on them. There's just like a lot of differences in older houses that I got used to. And I'm just going to quickly kind of rattle off the past several houses I've lived in because it's going to just give you an example of what eras those houses were from and how they were weird. So when all the kids were in school, there was the house we lived in um, that was the one that we got divorced in. That was a 1940s colonial style layout. So like the kind of the big rectangle, right? And you'd walk in the front door and you'd be right in the middle of the living area. It had this weird, tiny powder room off of the living room. It was so small, you could barely turn around in it. It was really hard to clean. And the plumbing was a little bit leaky and there was no ventilation. So it literally grew toadstools. I mean, I'm talking like toadstools out of a storybook with a little stem and a cap, Um, but teeny tiny. And so I was cleaning those out like every week, but I'd have to wedge myself behind the toilet. Anyway, we had a no pooping rule. For the kids in that bathroom because like everybody's hanging out right outside that door and there's no fan and it's like kind of yeah. moist in there all the time. I did at one point find a newspaper article um, with that address in it. Well, m- multiples actually. And it sounds like the, the couple that lived there in the forties, because I think it, in the forties, that would have been considered quite a large and sort of stately home on the main drag of town. You know, by the time I lived in it, it was sort of the same size as like a lot of houses that newer builds. But at the time it would have been, I think maybe a a slightly more affluent couple. So um, they had a lot of like civic gatherings at that house. And so it was always really fun to picture where they would have gathered to have their meeting of, you know, the junior league or whatever. They had a couple there during those meetings. Nobody should. I hope they didn't. (laughs) I just hope they didn't. 
Another weird thing about that house, though, and maybe this is a colonial house thing. I really don't know. Um, there was like no closets. There was tons of square footage, but not there was no linen closet. And there was like in the master bedroom, a teeny tiny little closet. So we had to have this like standalone armoire thing for the, our clothes. But now I'm like, well, maybe that was never supposed to be the master bedroom. Maybe that was a study or a library. Yeah. And it got converted because they could put a bathroom down there. So it's really hard to say. Two of the kids' rooms, no closets at all, which I just thought very strange. Um, And there was a really nice-sized kitchen comparative to the house, I think. But then there was this, like, at one point, I think in the 90s, everything was, like, forest green. They had added an oversized peninsula, and it just didn't fit. Like, I, I remember thinking, this doesn't seem like the kind of house that would have this big laminate peninsula in it. It took up too much space, and then there wasn't enough cupboards. So from there, we moved into a teeny tiny little 1920s bungalow with like no, nowhere to move our bodies, but so much storage space that our stuff was great. We just couldn't move. We couldn't move around in there. But like there was there was a place for every every small thing, every towel and sheet and dish um, had a space just sometimes in a weird space, like not all our dishes were in the kitchen because it was so small. Some were in this other amazing closet. Um, but we did at that point then have to get rid of all the extra storage furniture that we had bought for the house that didn't have any storage. So we had like a, an armor, we had a buffet, we had like one of those little cart kitchen things on wheels that all yeah. had to go. Couldn't bring yeah. it into that house. There was no wall space. And then we moved from there back into another big old house, but this one was like an 1800s farmhouse and it had been added on to, and it had space and storage. Um, so then it was like the rooms felt empty because we didn't have enough furniture then to put you back in there cart back <laughs> yeah I did. exactly and there was also it was one of those houses that had probably started as sort of a large but not huge farmhouse and then they added on a two-car garage and a big mud room and a laundry room to one side and then they added on a master suite upstairs so everything felt super janky like you had to walk down a step to get to my bedroom and my bedroom you went down this weird long hallway where there was like an extra room off of it because I think they just had extra space to play with. So felt really, really weird. Then the last house we lived in was a 1960s Cape Cod. And I would say that was just the most normal house ever. It was just like appropriately proportioned in every possible way. And I think this was definitely that mid-century time when like you would, they would make really good use of space. It was like cozy. Every room has just the right closet. All the rooms have a specific purpose, like no extras, nothing wasted, Mm -hmm. nothing's too big, nothing's too small. It just, it just fits every need, but no more. So all of those houses were different. I'm realizing now all a different style, um, architectural style. Mm -hmm. They all had, they all kind of fit the time they came from, you know, this would have been the sixties house would have been built in the baby boom era. Mm -hmm. Um, probably lots of kids living in that little house. Mm -hmm. Um, the 20, you know, the 1920s bungalow, I think, I, I don't even know what kind of like who would have been living in that house. It only would have had two small bedrooms, but in those days you would fit a lot of kids into yeah. a house that size. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's just fun to think about like why, why what feels quirky to us would have made total sense in the decade that house was built. And I would say as someone who hasn't lived in older houses, I would say it's fun to think forward of like, what of the modern home design now in 50 to a hundred years is going to be like, what were they thinking? Right. Like, why did they need this giant walk-in pantry when all of our food is droned in like meal by meal? You know what I mean? Something or in a pill. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. 
Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Well, we're going to talk now about the houses we are living in now um, and their quirks. And Sarah, I would just love to know if you have any guesses as to why your house has the quirks that it does. I don't know if you know anything about the people who built it or lived in yeah. it last. So it sounds like you maybe know a little bit, um, but tell us a little bit about that and then what those quirks are and how they how they impact your life. Okay, so I'm going to answer the like, how much do I know in two parts? I We know quite a bit about the couple who uh, sold us the house, but they were not original owners. Um, and as I go through my quirks, I'll tell you what I know about the, because they did some remodels, not really knocking down walls, but some other, some other type of more surface um, updates and upgrades that we're still living with, some for better and some for worse. Um, and they were a, I believe, reti- maybe not retired, but they had grown kids. So they were going to live in a 3,400 square foot home, just the two of them with their six dogs, three Great Danes and three standard poodles, six giant dogs and this couple. Um, and they bought it and did a bunch of upgrades and then decided that the house was not right for their six dogs. That's literally the story we were told by the selling agent. I'm wondering agent. what house will be. I know, right? right? For their six exactly. If not so, this one, then what? If not this, which one? So that we have had many a laugh over the years about that couple. And it was a bit of a contentious sale. It was in the early days of COVID. So in my mind, that couple looms large. However, they are not the ones who designed and built this house. And they're not even the ones who gave it, I think, its first remodel in the 90s. So the house was built in 77. Um, the same year you were born, Megan, it is as old as you, my neighbors across the street have lived in their house since the mid sixties. They're, they're older. And he he told me, um, one time that he knew the guy who built this house. We do have the plans somewhere. So I would like to do a little bit more digging about the original design. But what I do know is that they, um, converted the garage into what we call our bonus room, our rec room sometime in the nineties. Somebody did. And added another garage. And there might have been some other actual remodels along the way, but I don't know as much about those. I know about the ones that the people did in 2020, 2019, 2020 before we bought it. So that's just the high level. Um, Here are some quirks about my house. One that I did not realize at all when we bought the house only three years ago was that for quite a large ranch, single level ranch style house that's good size and spread out, it had all of its bedrooms are very tightly concentrated on one little hallway at the back. And what's so funny is that when my kids were tiny, this would have been great. Like you go down the hallway, there's our room, which is larger. And then there are actually one of them we use as an office, but you, if you turn that into a bedroom, there are four very small other bedrooms, not counting ours. So five counting ours, five bedrooms in what must amount to be like a thousand square foot, square feet of a 3,400 square foot house. It's like 
they're smooshed together all at one end and they're the, they're very small. So my three kids each have their own room. They're quite compact and they don't have big closets or a lot of storage. And they're right on top of one and then another, another one and then another one. And then they share a bathroom with one shower. And I'm not, this is not to say like, oh, my poor kids don't have enough space. That's not really what this is about. But from a traffic and getting ready in the morning and turning in at night and waking up and opening doors and closing doors and taking a shower and bringing out the laundry, it's like a whole lot of large human activity happens in, I mean, a, a less than a third of the house. And it feels quirky now because my kids are bigger and it has caused some issues with like who's going to bed when. It, I still feel like we have to be kind of mindful of sleeping patterns and opening and closing doors. And it's just so funny because we have this, what feels to me like a very spacious house, but we're all in the sleeping quarters, very small in a very tight knit way. So so what's interesting about that now, I have not been, I, I was never in your Arizona home, but I was in your, um, Orange County, yeah. Orange County home. Yeah. And I didn't perceive the bedrooms in your Santa Barbara home as being closer together than the ones in your Orange County home. But I wonder if, well, A, your kids were littler then. Mm-hmm. So they probably would have had more like shared bedtimes, shared. Yeah. Like the the lifestyle that you were living maybe just made it make sense for everyone to be kind of crammed in a little yeah. bit more. But also my experience of your Santa Barbara house was at the other very yeah, spread out the end. other end. Yeah. I didn't really experience, you except for I think I used that bathroom to shower. Yeah. 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 Um, I was never really down there when there was the traffic jam that you're describing. I am curious your house in Arizona. Have you ever lived in a house where your bedroom was on a different floor from the kids? No. Or like really far away from the kids? No. Um, the, the house in Arizona had that, had an office off the kitchen downstairs that as if we'd stayed in that house forever, we probably would have moved a kid down there. And then a kid would have been on a separate floor from us. But our kids were so little that we weren't ready to do that yet. Yeah, I have. I've had both. And I, there are things I've really liked about being on a different floor for my kids and things that I feel like not just like, oh, it's weird for them to be on a different floor and I'm nervous about it. Um, Cause by the time we were having that, I think we had older kids that were on the same floor at least. So it didn't feel like there was like a baby isolated yeah. on their own floor. And typically our babies would just sleep in our room for a really long time. But there was something sort of, I would start to feel disconnected from the kids' living spaces, which I didn't love. Because then it's like that much more work to go check and see if anything stinks or, you know, if like uh, a dog got locked in the bedroom, that happened more than once where the dog would get locked in one of the boys' bedrooms because they like slammed the door in the morning and the dog was in there. And then later the dog's still saying their wagging her tail like, hey, sorry, I peed on the floor. So (laughs) anyway, I there was I didn't love that. But but I know that some parents of older kids really like the privacy of that. And now it's no big deal sure it ebbs and flows. I was thinking when you were talking about the Orange County house, I think what made a big difference with that house is remember the ceilings were vaulted. So the stairs were open to the below. And when you got to the top of the stairs, it was almost more like um, half of a clock or half of a like a semicircle where if you went around the clock, there was kid number one bedroom, which was a little bit bigger. And then there were two small bedrooms that kind of opened up and then there was ours. And so it felt like you, they all kind of opened into a landing or a central area. Whereas this is like a dead end hallway. (laughs) And I just feel like there's these big teenage bodies kind of bumping into each other. They're playing their music. There's like, there's nowhere, there's nowhere out except this dead end of big children in small rooms. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that again, it, it also like, something like a vaulted ceiling can give the perception of there being more floor space Yeah, <laughs> when there's yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's a quirk of my house. That's actually a perk. It's a perky quirk. Um, but it definitely is the previous, uh, the sellers that we bought from, they put a small, but brand new washer dryer set in our bedroom in the primary bedroom. It's a Miele. So it's like a nice brand, nice. but it's yeah. a, a smaller capacity. Um, and I think they were thinking that they would do a lot of their laundry there because it's in, you know, it's in Brian and my bedroom. It's right off of our bathroom. And then they were going to do their dog laundry at the other end of the house and their kitchen laundry and their linens and bigger stuff. That's, I think, what they had in mind. Um, what's funny is it feels like a huge luxury to say I have a I have a normal size washer dryer and then I have this like 
extra one, but I almost never use it because it just doesn't line up with the way I do laundry. I want to do big loads. Uh, the other laundry, the main laundry rooms right off the kitchen. That's where I am. And so it's just, I have this moment sometimes where I'm like, oh, I could throw a few things in my extra bonus high end, like right. brand new washer dryer. It's a really absurd luxury. And it's not, it would cost us more to remove it or to do something right. else with that space. It has um, nice cabinet doors in front of it. So it's kind of hidden away. It's an amazing perk that turns into like, a quirk we hardly ever use, but maybe someday I will. Well, and I'm wondering if you could, if you would ever have like a specific purpose for it. Like, let's yeah. say you got really into like, I don't know, some kind of craft that required yeah. you to wash things separately from your family's laundry, or I don't, I have no idea, I a know. retail store that you're running out of that end of the house. I, I really don't know, but yeah, like it, it almost makes it seem like it would need its own purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it's nice. Um, and I do use it on occasion, but not very often. And then moving right along, because this is right in the same part of the house. This was the thing, the quirk that launched this episode because I boxed you one day. And I was like, I don't, I haven't been in a lot of houses where you sit on the toilet in the privacy of your own primary bathroom and you are looking right out at the street and people walking their dogs on the street if you don't close the shutters. So our bathroom um, faces the street and our front yard is landscaped, but it does not have a lot of like trees like you can see right to the street. And a lot of people walk their dogs on my street and a lot of people look at my house. Actually, it's a very like it looks really it has really nice curb appeal, which I can't take credit for. It was landscaped really nicely before we moved in and then we've maintained it. So people all day long walk their dogs, talk on their phones or listen to a podcast and kind of meander by and like look in my windows and I don't blame them. There you're waving back. And there I am. So when I'm in the bathroom, whether I'm getting ready for the day, whether I'm actually using the toilet, I have to close. There's plantation shutters so I can close the shutters. But I think I thought of this because I was staying in another house with this big bathroom window that opened to the backyard. And I thought, well, if my bathroom window opened to the backyard and I had a decent amount of privacy, I wouldn't be so fastidious about constantly like making sure I had privacy. This is like, it's, there's no in between. There's not like a little bit of privacy. It's like, you're looking at the neighbors while you're on the toilet or you're completely shut in. And it's a little, it's just kind of like a small annoyance that if I were ever to design a house, I would do windows differently. Maybe I'd have a skylight or some other way to let light in that room. Or I would, I just wouldn't put so much, it's a beautiful bathroom, but it's right on the street. Well, you know, there's also those, those, uh, like frosted or like cloudy windows that people have. I don't, I don't, I think those have kind of fallen out of style. I only see them in older houses, but, um, they do serve a purpose. Yeah, they do. And those, yeah, you see those a lot in showers, like when you're shower and that makes a lot of sense. And the, the shower part of this bathroom is tucked away. So there's no, there's no window or light in it at all. So yeah, I guess you could, it's kind of right on the edge of like, you probably don't need quite that much privacy. But to me, if I'm sitting on the toilet, I don't even want the implication that I could lock eyes with someone on the street. (laughs) My brother has, so his house is on a pretty busy corner of their little town and the bathroom, the main floor bathroom faces the, the less busy street. So like the side street, Okay, but it also looks out directly on the patio fire pit area. And they often have the bathroom window open um, in the summer, which I like to do. I like to have windows open in the house. But sometimes if one is in the middle of a very good conversation and one goes in to use the bathroom, they'll just continue the conversation from the toilet. So because you're just sitting there looking like you could just just look out the window and there everybody is. So it's kind of unavoidable. I love it. Um, Okay, well, this one is maybe not a quirk, but just something I noticed after moving into this house. And that is that whether or not you enter and exit your own home via the front door has a waterfall trickle effect of implications (laughs) for how you use the space just inside your front door. And this is the first house I've lived in, in a lot ever as an adult, maybe ever as an adult where Brian and my main exit and entrance is actually the front door of our house um, instead of through the garage. So every other house I've lived in, even if I was parking in the driveway and not the garage, I was still walking through the garage to get to the house. 
Um, but in this house, I we don't have enough garage space right now. And I park more in a little like parking spot that's closer to the front door. And the kids and I go to and fro all day long through the front door. What that means is that my front door gets a lot of wear and tear. And my front entryway is like kind of it looks more like a back entryway would have in my other houses. You know, like when for me, when we would enter through a garage, I would have a bunch of hooks either in the garage or right inside the garage door. We would kind of triage our our shoe situation and our backpack situation. Um, and then the front door was like for guests or if we tidied up or maybe there was a pretty wreath on it. But like mine in this house is kind of one in the same. And that's OK. Like it doesn't bother me. But um, if I look at it objectively, I'm like, we kind of use our front foyer, our front entryway as a as a mudroom. And it is not a mudroom. It is a proper formal front door that we just dump all our stuff. And that's just the season of life we're in right now. Yeah. I, in this house, of course, I've only lived in this new house for like two and a half weeks or something like that. Um, three weeks, maybe. I, it remains to be seen, but I will say primarily right now we are using the garage and I would really like to use the front door. Um, this is definitely a shoes off house. That is a very strict shoes off policy oh. that I have not had in the past. Um, and that's fine. Like we're, we're all, it's fine. It makes a lot of sense. There is a lot of sand around here and the floors will get trashed in this house with sand being tracked in. So it's a shoes off house. But like that makes the back door entrance, I feel less comfortable than the front door entrance, which has a nice big bench. And like, so it might just be that we're not there yet. Like with yeah. maybe the there's still a plenty of room to take your shoes off and stuff like that inside the house um, by the back door. But there's no setup for it. Yeah, it's not really a quirk. It's like an un. It's it's like a missed opportunity, which yeah. we will rectify at some point. That will be rectified. Well, yes, I remember even when you moved into the previous house, the one around the down the road, yeah. you also were having back door, front door, shoe removal. Yeah. it's maybe because you live in the country now too. Like you are, yes. you're mucking. Stalls. Well, and no, in that right. house there were like there were so many doors. There was like right. so many ways I to get in. That. I think four four or five different doors. And depending whether you were going to go out and like feed the chickens, you might go out the back door. But if you were coming in through the garage, which I rarely parked in, but still it just sometimes made sense. And that's where the little nest was to lock the door. The front front door didn't really have the ability to put, it's got like one of those old fashioned door handles. It doesn't, I don't think we could have put one of those locks on it. And it had a really small, but nice entryway. So I like coming in through a front door. It just yeah. doesn't often make a lot of sense. Yeah, so. I, I like it too. I think I could be better about uh, just having like our routines support the fact that we're coming in through a front door. Right. I think we still kind of treat it like we're coming in through just a back throw door. throw everything but. everywhere. Yeah. Well, the last house quirk, like the washer dryer, is maybe a positive, but it's certainly a result of the previous the sellers and their six giant dogs um and i'm laughing at the the thing they needed to keep clean was floors and dogs and the thing i need to keep clean is like laundry and humans so we're just at, we're just diametrically opposed and this has resulted in them putting in extra sinks um in the the kitchen end of the house where the dogs would have romped both in the laundry room, there's a big, nice, deep sink. I have a deep farmhouse sink in the kitchen. And then there's another very deep sink, including a garbage disposal in that bonus room, rec room where you stayed, Megan. And then there's a half bath which uh, with a normal bath sink. And what that means is there are four sinks, three of them deep and large and like like a almost a utility sink within like a within a very short stone's throw. And I just find it funny. My favorite time to use this is when it's time to wash up for dinner. And I will tell the kids like, I'll go wash your hands. And none of you come here in the kitchen. Like go find another <laughs> sink. There are three other sinks. You can each pick one. I can soak um, like weird dishes or weird laundry for half a day. If I want to, I can get bleach out. It, it's just is like a really nice feature to have multiple sinks in such a concentrated area similar to like the other end being all the bedrooms in a concentrated area. It's just a weird distribution of resources to me. Um, and then we only have two showers for five people. And um, so we have two full baths and two half baths. Um, and so I just think they were trying to keep 
dog feet and dog laundry clean. And I'm trying to keep teenagers clean. And I have not figured out a way to put my teenagers into large utility sinks. So I have a disproportionate number of sinks. Well, clearly you need to be running either a dog grooming business and or some kind of craft business because this sounds completely set up for that. Yes. Our, yes. Our small dogs, we get, when our dog got sprayed by a skunk, we can put his whole body in the laundry room sink. There's a lot of benefits. I bet you Violet could still fit. Tuck into a little ball. I, I, she took sink bath for such a long time until she was like five. And then she has seen a couple pictures of that and now is horrified that she would ever have been naked in a kitchen. But anyway, that is truly a quirk because it's not really good or bad. It's just not the way I would have designed this house. It doesn't serve my needs, but it's it's fine. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right. So, Megan, you are freshly moved in. But like you said, you've been a guest in Eric's home for a couple of years. So you're not really new to this house, but you're new to it as a resident. And I just wonder what you're what you're noticing as your life patterns start to merge with this physical property. Yeah. Well, okay. So I want to just, I want to just, um, mention that there are like design quirks and, um, quirks that have to do with the way a house was like built and thought out and designed. There's also like me coming in with my specific quirks about the way I like to live yeah, and trying to make those meld with someone who's been living in this house for a while. And I also want to just say that Eric actually designed and built this house. So yeah, I'm very huge. Feat. Like that's a yeah. huge um, caveat here. Yeah. And so like, I of course want to be really respectful of like, it's an awesome house and he did an, it's beautiful and he did a really great job with it. There are things that make logical sense to him. And the way his brain works that for me, I'm like, okay, this doesn't make a lot of sense. But also it's sometimes hard to tell if it's the way it's designed or if it's the way he wound up living in it. Like, is it because this is where this cabinet is or is this because what he's chosen to put in the cabinet 
doesn't make sense to me. And those are things that we're still yeah. kind of sorting out. Um, and it's just different melding with someone who's like, if I was moving, if you moved into a brand new house with Brian, like, like your house that you didn't know the owners or the people who built it, the previous owners, the original owners, any of them, no emotional attachment to that. You guys, and you're walking into an empty house. You can be like, oh, isn't this funny that they did this here? Isn't right. it funny that they did that there? This right. is very different for me. I'm coming into a house yeah. that someone's been living in who and I'm married to, himself. right? And built himself, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and a lot of it, like literally, he did a lot of the work himself. So, um, and layer on top of that, like I said, this is literally the first time in my entire life that I have lived in a newish open concept home ever. Like when Jacob was a tiny baby, I lived in a new build apartment building that did have like an, a vaulted ceiling and an open. That's, I think the only one, like I've always, always lived in older houses and they're just different. So anyway, all those are the caveats. Uh, this is a craftsman style house. It's a newer build. I think started going up in like 2012. Um, also worth mentioning that this was originally designed to be a family home. And then at some point early in the process, it became Eric's like divorced dude home. And as kids were only here half time, it took a long time to get it done. So I think by the time it got finished, they were teenagers. I just, it never quite got used the way he intended it to be used. Mm -hmm. So parts of it feel a little bit unfinished. It has this very manly lodge feeling. Um, but because it's a newer build, there aren't like hallways, you know, it's like there aren't the nooks and crannies. There aren't the weird meandering rooms. Like everything in this house was built to be in a modern house. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not used to that. Um, so not only am I moving my stuff into someone else's space, it's been used a certain way forever, you know, since it's existed, but like, it's like, is this the house? Is it him? Is it me? Uh, you know, the design quirks are his quirks. It's like, anyway, I'll, I'll get to the actual quirks. That was a lot of caveats, but I just wanted to point out that like, I might throw a quirk out here and someone else is going to say, well, that's just how newer house is. And okay. Right. Well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a question though. Do you yeah. like. When you were, let's say before you had intentions of marrying each other, when you were early dating, but you were spending time over there and he was your good buddy. Yeah. And, um, did you guys talk a lot about just as, as idle conversation, like, Oh, I really like the beams in this room or like, Oh, why'd yeah. you, was that because he's a bill? I mean, he is a, this is what he does. So I'm curious if like, as you got to know him, you got to know this house as a part of him. And if yeah. that helps a little. I could imagine it that does, help, it helps, helps, a, lot. helps a little because you aren't. Yeah. yeah. You're not walking in being like, why did you do this? No. Like maybe you already know because you've gotten to know the house over the years. Exactly. And I think that I'm just getting it to know it. I'm getting to know it a little more intimately and knowing now that like, oh, now how do I fit into this? But yeah. I, I mean, everything in here is with all of the generous and like forgive, you know, not even forgiveness is the wrong word. I don't need to forgive anything. It's a great yeah, house. It's, it's not judgment. Um, right. Exactly. Um, he has this giant stone fireplace that goes like all the way to the ceiling. And I remember one of the first times I hung out with him, him showing me where like certain stones can get pulled out and there'd be like an electrical outlet. So he's very thoughtful yeah. about that kind of thing. Yeah. He's really thoughtful about lighting and fans, like air movement. Mm. Um, a lot of those kinds of things. Like if there's a detail, Eric does not miss that detail. Yeah. So he, it's, it's, it's so good. There's that when something points out, or like when something jumps out at me and it doesn't make sense, it, it really jumps out and I'm like, huh, this doesn't make sense. Maybe it's me. I don't know. Okay. So here's one quirk that I'm not a hundred percent sure if this is even a quirk or if it's just that I can't get used to it, but the dishwasher opens directly in front of the silverware drawer. So if the dishwasher is only partially open, you can't access the silverware drawer. It has to be all the way open, in which case I'm now three feet away from the silverware drawer. Yeah. Or it has to be completely shut. So then all the silverware has to be like piled up on this on the countertop or something. I will say now having hung out in this house for three years, Every time I go to get a cup or a, or a, not a cup, a fork or a spoon or a knife, I forget where it is. And I've been using this house and the drawers within it 
for a very long time, and it has never made sense to me. And he did say that he just kind of picked the one that was closest to the um, the silverware or the dishwasher because it made the most sense. And I think there's logic to that, but sometimes logic just doesn't work. And I'm looking around going, is there a way to reorganize this? That makes more sense. I sort of feel like if you did. No, but I kind of feel like if we do that, we have to pull everything out and start from scratch because he's got stuff that I I started poking around in the kitchen and was like, oh, I didn't know there were these um, this food processor thing under here or like there's things that don't get touched, don't get used. There's kind of like a big junk drawer that I think actually might work better for silverware. So I'll get to that eventually. Picking, um, your, picking, picking your my, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's not, I don't even think it's like a battle. It's more like, yeah. unless we take everything out and redo the whole thing, then it's a bandaid that I might change my mind about later anyway. So maybe there isn't a better place. It's not a terribly large kitchen for the size of the house. I don't think so. It might just be like, this is what you get. And that's fine. Um, the light switches have been something that I've, literally never once been able to figure out in all the years I've been coming to this house and turning lights on and off. The way he laid it out is that they're in order. So if you come in from the garage and you come into like the, you know, kitchen, dining room, living room area, the switches go in order from the kitchen light all the way through to the living room. But what that means is that sometimes the the light switch you're standing in front of does not turn on the thing closest to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel they should be grouped by room. Anything that's turning on a light in the kitchen should be in the kitchen. Anything that's yeah. turning on a light in the dining room should be in the dining room, the kitchen or the living room and so forth. Um, it does not make sense to me to stand in the dining room and turn on a light that's over the peninsula in the kitchen. For example, he designed the lighting. It made sense to him. He seems to have no problem with it. I just, I just hit the lights so many times during the day. It's a, it's like a joke. We laugh about it. I'll walk in and flip the switches and I walk around flipping all the switches. Like what is happening? (laughs) Yes. And nothing is, it's not doing what I expect it to. Uh, So that's another one. We have some of that in our house and I I never thought about that as the problem, but I think that is, and what, what I have solved it by essentially avoiding entire light switch panels because most of them, there's multiple ways to turn on this light in the kitchen. There's like this one way that I learned. And then there's this other way in like a totally different room that I never learned. And I just never touch it. So that's really funny. Well, and lots of times too, like there might be more than one switch that turns on a light. Like say there's one at the top of the stairs and one at the bottom of the stairs. So the light, the position of the switch doesn't tell me anything. It's not an indicator about where, whether the lights Uh on or off. So yeah. Um, and I think that's one of those things that in an older house, it's just a little more straightforward. Usually there's not as many switches. They're not the kind that they're not that slap on and off kind. They're like yeah. a flip, you know, you flip it on or off and there's only one. And um, that's what I'm used to. Um, so again, I mentioned that we have like two entryway situations. They're really underutilized. There's no hooks. There's no cubbies. There's no coat racks. Ooh, that sounds like an opportunity. I think, I think he just <laughs> didn't get around to it. I think this was a big project he bit off and probably ran out of a little steam when going through a divorce and then tried to finish it up for his kids and got it like to the point where it was good enough and then kind of stopped. So um, those definitely feel like opportunities to, to add. Nothing needs to be taken away. They're great spaces. It's just, we need some more stuff. Yeah. Um, there's hardly any like surfaces to put things on. I think part of that is the open concept. I think part of it is it's a little under furnished. I think it, we could use like an, maybe yeah. a console table behind the sofa, maybe um, more bookshelves. There's a space yeah. where built in bookshelves started to go in and have not got completed. I think that'll make a big difference, but I'm so used to the old houses where there's just so many like nooks and crannies and bookshelves and built-ins and things. And there's just not a lot of that in this house. So not exactly a quirk, just like an incomplete. Yeah. I mean, like, I think when I was living in newer, newer build, open concept houses, I, we, uh, accumulated a lot of console tables and entry tables and side tables for that. Yeah. Because there wasn't anything. Sometimes there's a built-in like in the entertainment center area, but not anything else. So yeah, Yeah. I I wonder if you're right about that. Just a modern thing. And part of it too, is that the, the few surfaces, like the few things he has added already have 
some of his stuff on it. And I'm like, okay, well. You need places to put your stuff. <laughs> my stuff, right? So like either we need to take everything out and redo it or we just need to add more surfaces for me to put some stuff on, um, which is all on the tape. Like that's all fine. We can, yeah. we'll get around to all of it. It just might take a while. And then this isn't exactly a quirk. It, this is a very deliberate design choice that I feel mostly really good about. Um, the house is up on a hill. It overlooks a pond and the woods. And it's beautiful. Like the scenery is gorgeous. I will say from this vantage point, it's kind of like looking out at a painting. It's weird. Like it doesn't, my old house, you just walked out the back door and then you were in the trees. Like Mm -hmm. it was right there. You could touch it practically. Now I feel like I'm looking out on this very beautiful scene where deer are walking through all the time and turkeys and it's gorgeous, but like, I can't touch it. And is that because of being up on the hill? Is it because it's there's no the, yes. door well, to actually walk out? Yeah. So there's a walkout basement. So there's there's a deck, but there's no way to get down. Like I'm way up. I'm on the second floor when I'm looking out from the living room. So that's not to say that it couldn't like this house has a lot of potential for adding on stairs off the deck, maybe or adding um, a pathway that goes around the house and downstairs or even using the basement. Like right now, we never really use the basement for anything but storage. So again, I feel like we'll get there. But right yeah. now the nature feels like I, I can't access it. And that's, I don't, that's not my preference. Um, there are also floor to ceiling windows in basically the entire living room and part of the dining room, no window treatments. So the sunrises are amazing. There's a lot of morning light mm-hmm. and I love that except for between like nine and 10 30 or 11, depending on the time of year. If I'm trying to sit on the sofa and work or read because I'm being blinded. I, I still, I don't think I would trade the scenery for, um, more light control because it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we added any window treatments, it really would kind of kill the view. Like it would kill the vibe, which is that you feel like you're standing outside, but it does every now and then I'm like, I don't know. Is this like, should we put something here? Um, and also we're not, there's no neighbors. Like nobody could see in. I have felt weird about that a couple of times, like getting out of the shower and walking by the bedroom windows and thinking like, wow, I'm really on display, but there's literally nobody up there that could see me. Just turkeys. They do look I all the time. I will walk out in a towel and see a deer standing there looking up at the windows or a turkey standing there looking at me. And I'm like, what are you looking at? I think they just see the my gosh. Yeah. Well, it does sound really lovely and really beautiful. Um, I It makes me think of this book that I just got from the library that's called The New Design Rules by Emily Henderson. I'll link it up in the show notes. But when you're talking about window treatments and like the decision for how big to build windows and um, this book is really for people who are about to do a major design or remodel, which I am not, but I found it so interesting to learn, I guess, like the the things that a builder or a designer would consider when deciding how tall to make the windows, like whether to, what kind of window treatments to choose. Um, I just, it was like super educational and I feel like I'll tuck it away for, for future, but it was even interesting to learn things about my own house and like, Oh, that's what that's called. Or that's like, that's what, um, that type of window opening or that type of doorway. Um, yeah, there's just a lot. I don't know. I've always lived in houses that are, they are the way they are. And right. it's, it takes, um, like it's taken me a long time to realize, like, even with a smaller budget and just like a local handy person, you can, you can make changes to the design of your home that better suit your lifestyle. I have always kind of come to be like, well, this is the house that I'm in. Um, and there's, there's often something in the middle, I guess. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, sometimes we get really stuck on and I I think this is where if Eric has any flaw at all he thinks a lot about efficiency but sometimes efficiency is not the only answer if it might make more sense to walk across the room with a handful of silverware than Uh to be busting your shins on a dishwasher door or to not have the lights exactly line up like there's times where I can see his efficiency went into like overdrive well (laughs) or then it's not even efficient it's actually just like it's like a proximity, but that's not necessarily like true ergonomics. It takes all of that into account. It's not just like how many inches do you have to move? 
but it, it's like, I feel like it's a bigger, it's a, it's like a multi-dimensional look at efficiency, not just like how close, how many steps. Do you remember when everybody was obsessed with the kitchen triangle? That was like a big, when I was doing a lot of reading about kitchen design, like maybe when I remodeled the only time I've ever fully remodeled the kitchen. Um, so it would have been like 10 or 11 years ago, I guess, maybe longer. And it was a galley kitchen. And I remember reading like all this hoopla about the ideal kitchen design is a triangle. There should be a triangle from your stove to your fridge to your sink and it should only be x number of steps and the proportion should be this and that and then later i read something that was kind of like well that's all blown out of proportion it really depends like how you use your kitchen and do you do you even go to the fridge that much or are you going to are you doing more of your work at the countertop do you have an island um you know and i do think that there's like there's the rules and then there's the way we actually live and just because something is touted as the way to do it doesn't necessarily mean it fits your lifestyle yeah. or, you know, as your many multiple sinks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm curious if the book you're talking about said anything, like what did it actually say about windows and window treatments and things like that? Do you remember? Well, I, I can't remember, but except I, I really enjoyed learning about the different type of windows, type of doors and different types of window treatments and, and why you might choose one over the other, like light, is one that's what made me think of it is like light yeah. and maximizing light is going to be a different um a different set of variables than thinking about privacy for example or um heat and efficient like efficient air and heat and cold keeping those in and out so just all things that i have always been moved into a house learned the quirks yeah. and been like oh here's how i can here's now i is. will now yeah. i will do the best to manage within these quirks but it blows my mind people who really can like design or with a designer with a builder like start from scratch I don't know that that's ever in my future I it honestly doesn't seem like something I'd even want to do because with with starting with such a blank slate and so many possibilities it feels with so overwhelming comes great yeah overwhelm. I I, yeah. Would, I almost prefer like I got the house I got I really love the house I'm in currently and then it's like okay now I'll make these quirks work for me um yeah but a lot of people have the opportunity to design and build a home. And I think that's so cool. It just sounds totally overwhelming to me. Well, you know, another thing that I think, uh, kind of shows how, and I can't give Eric more credit than I can give him. Cause I don't know what his thought process was for deciding which way the house was going to, um, face and where the windows were going to be and all that. But it makes total sense for like our lifestyle to have all of these huge windows facing East because besides an hour or two in the morning where it might be a little uncomfortably bright, the house is great the rest of the day. It never yeah. gets that sunset hot. And we have really late sunsets here in Southwest yeah. Michigan. Um, so you, a lot of people would purposely turn their house toward the sunset, which he could have also done. And we would have had an okay sunset view. But then the house, I think, would be, it would be really hard to watch TV at night. Yes, It would stay bright way too late. We like yep. to go to bed when it's basically still light out. And when the windows are facing east, we can kind of lie to ourselves. We can pretend it's dark before <laughs> before it is because we can't really see the sun anymore. Yeah. Um, so there's just things that make sense about the way it is. Now, these big, tall windows facing west would, I think, be untenable for us. Um, yeah. We'd have to have some shades. So I lived in that house in Orange County that you visited me, um, which was just like a you know housing development subdivision. All the houses, they're you know, we're pretty much the same, but this, the way the street ran, if you were on our side of the street, you got morning sun. And if you were on the other side of the street, you had a Canyon view, the houses had beautiful views, but they got that late afternoon sunset sun. And though the houses on the other side of the street consistently sold for more money were more desired because they had, um, a prettier view, but I never once did I wish for that late afternoon, hot, like, like you said, can't put a kid to bed. You can't right. like, and so I was always kind of glad, just like you said, like we got a little bit of bright morning sun in the early morning. And then after that, our house stayed cooler. So I'm, I'm with you yeah. on that. And I will say this house is helping me be a morning person because the yeah. sun it's coming up so early that well, uh, well before what you would say is sunrise, we're getting yeah. sun. It's, it's, it's like bright. your sunrise alarm clock that you've always yeah. liked. It's like your whole house, house is night. It's like an immersive experience. <laughs> exactly. Sunrise alarm clock in your house. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for joining us and coming into our homes today, everyone. Um, We will be back as always with a brand new episode on Tuesday. And in the meantime, if you have not taken our listener survey, please do. Um, We are going to be shutting that down at the end of June. So just a little bit longer to fill that out. It's at themomhour.com slash survey. And Megan, enjoy settling into your quirky new house. We'll talk to everybody soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.